Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, we are on week three of our series, Make Room, and, and Elmore started this, and we got AJ last week. There's AJ. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Elmore. Thank you for the service. Thank you for uh, bringing the word. So today we're going to be on week three of this, uh, of this series, Make Room. And Elmore started with this and that. And that series title, Make Room, as uh, Elmer brought it, it said, it's not make room as in accommodate, make some accommodation, open up a, a space to come in. But it's really the word surrender and yield. That's what the series is about. It's really making room or allowing the Holy Spirit or allowing ourselves to surrender and to yield to the moving of the Holy Spirit. All right? So just before uh, I get to week number three and the subject on week number three, which is, uh, by the way, sanctification by the Spirit. I want to just go back and recap a little bit of, uh, of who the Holy Spirit is. If you grew up in the Catholic faith, you're very familiar with this because we always do it. I mean, I, I kind of spent years in the Catholic faith. We always, we enter the building by what? In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the three person in one. But you'll be surprised that the word Trinity is not really in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And, and among the, the three of the Godheads, I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that's mi most misunderstood. He is, in the Old Testament, he is called the unnamed servant. Uh, in fact, this morning I was kind of asking my wife, so what's the name of the Holy Spirit? Uh, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we got God the Father, who we call, or who, who named, or he gave his name by, by Yahweh. We got Jesus, of course, Yeshua, Hamashi, uh, Yeshua, or salvation. But when it came to the Holy Spirit, he's basically a name. He's just the Holy Spirit. And it was designed that way uh, as we go on, or why it's designed that way. So go ahead and uh, we'll recap a little bit. So who is the Holy Spirit? So as I said, he is the third person of the Trinity. So go ahead and... Uh, Pull up the slide. I'll show you two slides just to uh, get us a re uh, just a recap on who is the Holy Spirit. So th this is John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And in their conversation, this is the part where Jesus started to tell his disciples, pretty soon I will be leaving you. I'll be gone. And of course, one of their questions is, uh, uh, where are you going? Can we not follow where you're going? And of course, this, uh, in this chapter, Jesus began this discussion that where I go now, you cannot follow. But later on, you could. Basically, I'm just paraphrasing, okay, for, for our language. So this is one of the things that Jesus told the disciples. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. So that's one, that's one of the scriptures, scriptural reference that the Father and Jesus are really in one. And then another one is John 15, 26. And this is, again, Jesus uh, talking to his disciple. But when the helper comes, whom, shall I send, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So in this second passage here, John 15, 26, we see almost a futuristic place where all three of them were together. This is, would be a time where Jesus was saying, once I go up to be with the Father, I will ask the Father to send you another person who is the Holy Spirit. So you got the Father, you got Jesus, and then you got the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity, all three, and because 
Jesus is always with the Father, and, the, and as we read in the, in the Gospels, Jesus would always say it. I do not say anything unless I hear the Father say. I do not do anything unless the Father does. So then he says that I will send another one in my place. And he also proceeds from the Father. So all three are always working in unity. That's why we have a trinity. We got three persons who is always in unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit cannot disagree. They're always working in unity. And that's why one of the questions that, that people have asked, so, so is the Old Testament, does, does the Old Testament, does the law uh, disagree with, the, with, with grace? No, it cannot disagree with grace. Because law was given by the Father. Grace came through Jesus Christ. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in one. They're always working in unity. And, and, when, when, and, and the reason why I'm, uh, I'm pounding this is you got to know that they're all working together. Because one cannot contradict the other. So when, what you read from the Old Testament, it has to apply all the way through until Revelation. The heart of the Father is also the heart of Jesus. It's also the heart of the Holy Spirit. They're three different persons, but they're always in unity. They're always one. There's always one, one, and one. That's why they're different, but they're the same. Okay? <laughs> they're different, but they're the same. They're three dif different persons. They're three different uh, personalities. The, the three different uh, functions, if I can say that, for lack of uh, understanding. So this is the Trinity working and being together. Another passage that we see how they're all together is the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, it says the heavens open and a voice, uh, and, and they heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And then they saw a dove go upon, the, upon Jesus. So you got the Father, you got Jesus, and then you got the Holy Spirit. One of the times that all three were on earth. In the times of creation, God said, let us make man in our image. Who was God speaking to? He was speaking to Jesus and he was speaking to the Holy Spirit. So they coexist, they're co-eternal, and they're always in unity. They cannot contradict one another. Knowing that, really, church will give you a lot of revelations when you read the Bible. That revelations alone can give you a lot of revelation in itself when you read through the Bible. So anyway, moving on. Next slide, please. So another aspect in order for us to really understand who the Holy Spirit is, is by looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. So Jan already mentioned this verse. Go ahead, next verse. It is coming from John 14, verse 16. <clears throat> so this is Jesus again. It says, I'm about to leave, but before I leave, I will not leave you as orphans. So I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. This is coming from the Amplified <clears throat> version of the Bible. It lets you see exactly who the Holy Spirit is or what is his role. Jesus says he's a helper. Another version that Jen read earlier was advocate right there. He's a comforter. He's an advocate. He's an intercessor. He's a counselor. He's a strengthener. He's a standby. Interesting word, a standby. He's also a teacher. He's also a guide. There's, he has a role for us, and all this role plays a, uh, there's something about the, his role, be, uh, which we'll be talking about, all right? But let's look at this one by one really quickly. I, I hope I don't jump into 
some of the other weeks that we're, we got uh, six, six weeks for this series, I believe, so I hope I don't jump into their, <laughs> to that subject. <clears throat> but comforter, when you read through the New Testament, Paul always addresses the churches, the letters. May the God of all comfort comfort you. Who would that be? That would be, the, that would be through the Holy Spirit. Advocate. What is an advocate? I've heard pastors before say that uh, I have not verified this. They said that Muhammad Ali actually paid an assistant just to uh, speak over him and just to everywhere they go, all that assistant, all his job is to, to speak to uh, Muhammad Ali saying, you're the champion. Come on, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. You can do it, champ. You can do it, champ. You can do it, champ. That he, I, I have not verified it, but in today's, today in our society, we have what you call life coaches, and that's exactly what they do. They tell you, you can do it. You can do it. When you fall, come on, champ, you can do it. Come on, champ. Pastor Taylor always, uh, our founding pastor always uh, calls us what? Champ. A hey, champion, you can do it. But of course, we're Filipino. It became chump. A hey, chump. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of messed up the pronunciation because of our Filipino accent. It became a chump, but it's really a champ, a champion. That's how, we, uh, that's how he always calls us, a champion. That's what an advocate does. You don't need to hire a life coach. You already have one. When you fall, he says, come on, champ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Get up. Said, Though a righteous man may fall seven times, get up. You can. See? You can. Now, it's been misunderstood that the Holy Spirit is the one that's bringing a different conviction. The accuser of the brethren brings an accusation to you. But the advocate, it says in 1 John 1, that when I say all these things so you may not sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate. You have one to remind you, no chap, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You may have fallen. It's a mistake, yes, but get over it. Come on. You know, we can do this. We can do this. That's what an advocate does. He reminds you of your right. He reminds you of what you can do. That is the Holy Spirit. So stop listening to the wrong voice. Listen to the, listen to the Holy Spirit. An intercessor in Romans chapter 3 verse somewhere in Romans. It says that when we do not know how to pray, the Holy Spirit pray for us with, with words and groans that we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, express. I believe it's the word. See, he's the one that prays for us. And that's what we call the prayer in, the, uh, prayer in tongues. That's when we go, that's the prayer in tongues. We do not understand the words that we speak, but through the, but through the Holy Spirit, it says that who knows the spirit of a man better than the, than the spirit himself? It is the Holy Spirit. And out of that Holy Spirit, God has given us a language for intercession. That's what he is. He's an intercessor for us, a counselor, a strengthener. A strengthener, it says that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, what would happen? You will receive the power. Power. You will receive power. And then standby. And this is an interesting word. Standby. Uh, going back to my Filipino heritage. Standby, we have made standby, which is an English word, into an English Tagalog word, and we say tambay. See? It's really standby, but we, we say it as tambay. But what, what a standby is, which is very interesting, is, very, uh, is a person or it's that state of readiness. <clears throat> it's like our National Guard or military. 
Whenever there's a disaster, they're always on like a standby mode. They're always in a ready mode, wherein the moment the, the chief of staff or who holds the National Guard here, the governor, whenever they say, now we need to go, they can go. The Holy Spirit is a standby, always a standby. He's always there ready if you need him and say, now I need your help. But the problem is sometimes we don't ask for help. Where is that part where it says forever? Then say another misunderstood, I th uh, mis something that we misunderstand about the Holy Spirit is the Old Testament Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. But the, in the Old Testament time, as you read, it says that the Holy, the Holy Spirit would come upon people like Samson. When the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, he was what? He became the rock. You know, like Dwayne Johnson, the rock. But he became strong. He became powerful. And then after that, the Holy Spirit left him. David also, the, 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 the prophets, that's, that's how the Holy Spirit would be in the Old Testament. They would visit. It's, called, it's a visitation of the Holy Spirit. But they never stayed permanently. What verse is that, Jen, that you just read earlier? And I will send you another helper and he would be with you forever. <clears throat> but anyway, that, that's what it is. He says, he will dwell with you forever. Forever. Forever means what? Forever. Forever, <laughs> forever means forever. Okay, it means once he comes in you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He never leaves you. He's there. He's a personal, permanent indwelling in you. But because he is also a standby, unless you allow him permission to work in your life, which this is really the topic today, he can never violate your, violate, violate. Okay, not the color. He can never violate or go against your personal will. From the very beginning, God the Father did that in the garden. When he created mankind, he left mankind to decide to love him back. And how did he do that? He gave a three and he said, this is one command. This is the only command for you to prove to me that you can love me back. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's why God has to place that one command in order for man to show that we love God. And with the Holy Spirit, it's the same. The Holy Spirit can never violate your will. He can never violate your own personal choice. He'll be there. He'll be an advocate for you. He can be a counselor for you, an intercessor for you, and strengthener for you. But if you choose not to yield or to make room or surrender to him, he will never violate that. He can never. For him to do that, that, that that's, just, that's just a violation of the grace of God and the, the whole nature of God. It's like, then, then what? So that's what he is. He's a comforter. And then John 14, 26, I got time. <laughs> uh, stand by the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name in my place. Look at that word. My name in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. In the book of John, which we're reading, in the latter chapter of John, in the closing, it says that John said, uh, if all that was done by Jesus or was said by Jesus were to be put in a book, it says the whole world cannot contain it. 
whole world cannot contain what he has done. He was only on earth in his ministry for three years, but John said if everything that he did was written in a book, the world cannot contain it. But yet, he only gave us four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that covers his ministry. So how do we know all that he has done and all that he had said? He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Revelations, the prophetic team. That's one of the things, what, how prophetic words. Another, another, um, uh, another passage that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit is that he will let you know of the future. That's prophecy. That's prophetic. We prophesy in part. The prophetic team, uh, has, uh, I'm, I'm actually part of the prophetic team. Sorry, I didn't come up. I was uh, saving my energy. <laughs> we prophesy in part. There's a, uh, a gift in prophecy. I believe my gift in prophecy is through teaching. I, I get revelations when I, re, uh, when I, hear the, when I read the word. I, I get uh, out of uh, passages. Uh, I'm able to connect passages together, and, and, and they connect for some reason. Okay, it, It's from the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will teach you all things. But of course, what you got to do is you got to read your Bible. <laughs> okay, you got to read your Bible. Amen. So that's what it is. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, and that's really important. And then he is your advocate. He is your counselor. He's your intercessor, a strengthener, standby. But, but, but what, is, what is all of this for us? What, what is it that uh, he, he's trying to do in us? Well, why be an advocate? Why be an intercessor? Why be a counselor? Why be a standby? Because there's a work that's going on in our lives. And it's called sanctification. Okay, sanctification by the Holy Spirit. Now I know it's, a, it's kind of like a, a, a Christian theological word. It's, it's really a simple word, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. In fact, let me explain it to you. Sanctification comes from the word... Uh, if you remove the efficacion, efficacion means the process of, okay? Sancti is really the same word as saintly. Being saint is really being holy. Being holy is really being set apart. So really sanctification is being set apart. Can you put up the meaning? Uh, go ahead, next. Uh, next uh, this is coming from Millard Erickson. This is how he describes uh, for those who are, of us who are challenged with, uh, with the Christian words. Progressive sanctification, this is how he describes it. The continued transformation of moral and spiritual character so that the life of the believer actually comes to mirror the standing which he or she already has in God's sight. That's sanctification. To put it more simple, it is the process uh, that happens in our life so that we can reach that place on how God already sees us. That's really just, just it. It's the process that happens in the believer's life to take, us from, uh, to take us from the day of our salvation until we die, until we die, until we be with the Lord, or until we actually mirror the image of God. That's what sanctification is. But it's, so it says here, uh, pay attention to this, okay? It says that, uh, for the believer to actually come to mirror the standing which he or she already has in God's sight. Interesting, right? Let me bring you back to spiritual warfare. Why are we in spiritual warfare? We're not trying to win, remember? Okay, 
most of you were not here when I was, when, when I was preaching that. We're not engaged in spiritual warfare to win. We already are what? We're already winners. We're victors. Spiritual warfare happens because our enemy does not want to admit defeat. He does not believe in trash time, as I said. He doesn't know that he's already lost. He's not given up. So we're engaged in spiritual warfare because we're trying to enforce a win or we're trying to enforce a loss to the enemy. So if sanctification says that it starts, uh, uh, where's that? he already has in God's sight, it's the same as everything in the eyes of God. It's, it's the same on how sanctification works. You begin in what God already sees you as you are. That's where you begin sanctification. And it really begins in justification. And just, here's another word, justification. Justification is really being justified. Uh, Pastor Roland always say the word justified is just as if you did not sin. See, when God, because of the cross, when God looks at us, he sees us justified. It's actually because of the work of Christ that we are justified. Really, justified is to be declared righteous. So if we begin our justification on how God already sees us, then, then we should always get to know what, how God already sees us. And that's how God looks at us, church. Whether you believe it or not, whether your faith, you, you have not believed it, when God looks at us, when God takes a look at us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus Christ's finished work at the cross. That's how your father looks at you. That's how our heavenly father looks at you. He doesn't look at you in the now and in the natural. He always is like he has this special scope, and that scope is like Jesus Christ already finished work at the cross, and that's how he looks at you. That's why our justification begins on how our God already sees us through the cross. So how, <laughs> we got quiet all of a sudden. So this is where reading the Bible comes in. What do you know of who you are already? What is your present standing, if I can say? Through the cross, what's the very first thing that we, we get when we, uh, uh, because of the cross? We are what? What is, our, what is our identity? We are a new creation in Christ. We are what? Holy, chosen, royal. See, we already are a new creation in Christ. The thing with sanctification is, when you receive Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ in the cross, instantaneously you are justified. Uh, because the, 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 the work of Christ is now on you. So God the Father looks at you now and he sees you righteous. So that's the thing. And that's where you begin your justification. That you are already righteous in the eyes of God. And that's what we call... I really didn't want to get to too much of this uh, of the word, but that's what you call your positional. That's your position in Christ. That's why it's it's called your identity in Christ. That's what you are in Christ. You already are a new creation. <clears throat> what else? See, in, in, I think this will help us a lot to really see who we already are, and it will help us to understand what God is doing in our lives. You're already chosen. You're already royal. You're already holy. You're already separated. I am the righteousness in God in Christ Jesus. In Romans, we read a lot of this. I am more than a what? A conqueror. I am no longer a slave to sin. 
Yes, you're no longer slave to sin. What else? You are blessed beyond the curse. That's a Daryl Evans song. Isn't it? You're highly favored by God. It says there's a verse in, in the Bible where it said that we are hidden in Christ. And that's really the sum of it. If we are hidden in Christ, then that means how God the Father sees Christ is exactly the way God sees us. That's what, that's, and that's how sanctification works. It begins, and you have to see it also, church, that when God looks at us, he looks at us with the, with, with the cross and Jesus Christ's finished work at the cross. We are hidden in Christ. Therefore, we are already accepted. We are already beloved. We are redeemed. What else, church? What can you think of right now? It's okay. You can, you can, we, can, uh, we can converse. Come and reason with me, as the Bible says. Uh, it is done. <laughs> Finish. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's one verse that uh, popped in, but uh, it disappeared again. <laughs> but that's what it is. So in your reading, when you come across the New Testament, and whenever you, when you come across those passages where it says, in Christ Jesus, church, that is what you already are. And the way, the, uh, the way that the sanctification work is, you begin in who you already are as how God sees you. And if you speak that over yourself over and over again, you believe that over yourself, that it becomes a part of your heart and it becomes faith in you, that's when you really begin to walk that identity. That's when you really begin to walk righteousness. But you begin by acknowledging that I am the righteousness of God. I am no longer slave to sin. I am blessed. Amen. There's one word. Can't remember it. Anyway, go, on, uh, go ahead and uh, next verse, please. My time is running out. The clock is fast. <laughs> anyway, so Trinity, and the reason why I had to include Trinity is because of this verse. It's not just the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not just him by himself working sanctification in you. What's uh, sanctification again? It's setting you apart so that you get to that place how God already sees you. But it's not just a single work. It's not just the work of the Holy Spirit. All three of the Godheads are always involved. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30, this is what it says. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then their meaning of sanctification is right there. To be conformed in the image of his son. Ultimately, that's how we should be. Okay? We are rich. That's the word I was looking for. We are rich. Okay? God was made poor for us so that we can be rich. Okay? Rich financially, rich with our body. We are healed. There's another word. You are healed. You're not trying to be healed, but you are healed. This morning, I woke up with a, with a little backache. And uh, I actually started yesterday. But, but this morning, uh, my, wife, uh, my wife prayed for us, and we took communion. And, and, and right now, I feel like uh, it was just an excuse for me not to get up. But, but that's the working of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm already healed. I'm not trying to be healed. I'm already righteous. I'm not trying to be righteous. I'm already set apart. Um, just to give you a, uh, uh, an illustration of that, the children of Israel, when they got out of Egypt, the very first declaration that God gave to them was their identity. He told them in the desert, I have chosen you not because you were more numerous, but because I have loved you. So they were chosen. 
said, I have set you apart. That's what holiness is about, being set apart. I have set you to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That was the identity that God spoke over them. Really, he spoke that over them because in the eyes of God, that's what he already sees in them. And it's the same for us. Because of Jesus Christ on the cross, when God sees us and when we speak words in the Bible, when we say, I am healed, I am a conqueror, I am more than a conqueror, I am rich, I am blessed. Some people don't even believe that they're blessed. Well, outside of Christ, yeah, I understand. But if you are a believer, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's nothing left. Jesus is the greatest blessing that God has, and he was given to us freely. Amen? Where was I? So he, uh, okay, for, for known. Okay, 1220. We're closing. So God the Father, he knows you. It says you are for known. Is that a word? For, for new, for known. Okay, English teacher, correct me later. <laughs> In, from the very beginning, God the Father, and that's why there's an involvement of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He already knows you. He knows your ability. Okay? In fact, it says, he were, you were created in Christ. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Go ahead, the next verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'll close with this. Even before you were born, according to Jeremiah, you, you were known by God. Even before you were formed, you were known by God. An example of this is uh, David, the King David. 13 years before he was born, the prophet Samuel said, I have sought for myself, or, or God told the prophet Samuel, I have sought for myself a man after God's own heart. It was 13 years later that David was born to be the king of Israel. That's how much God knows you. Even before your parents thought of you, you were already an idea or you were already known by God. Not only did he know you, he knows your talent. Of course, he knows you. He knows your talent, your skills, your giftings, your tendencies, your motivations, your passion, what will bring you down and what will bring you up. Your spouse to be... Uh, Probably that one is a little bit uh, a question, okay? But anyway, but, uh, but then it says you were predestined. And I believe what God was saying when you were predestined is this is going to be the best thing that you would do when you grow up. With all your skills, this is the best place for you. But then, of course, uh, and then after that, it says that you were, were chosen. Was it chosen? You were chosen to be part of an eternal plan. And then you got saved. And when you got saved, really the work of Christ not only justified you, but he also sanctified you. Meaning you were already set apart for what God has foreknown you and for what God has predestined you. Because of Jesus' work at the cross, you were also set apart for that. That's what, that's, that this is the, how the, the Godhead works. I know it's kind of difficult to, uh, to, to grasp sometimes. I also have a difficult time sometimes. But that's what it is. But the day that you got saved, if you're honest enough, you know that though the proclamation of God on you is that you're already righteous, if you look at yourself, you may not agree. And that's why, you, that's why the Holy Spirit never speaks of your now. He doesn't speak of who you are now. He always speaks of your future. Because that's how you are seen by God. It's always about who you are. 
And that's why this series is really about when the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Can you go back to the first uh, uh, the slide with, uh, with all the roles of the Holy Spirit? Where we see advocate, intercessor, there. See, the day of your salvation, even before you were even saved, before you were even born, God already knows you. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we were created in Christ for good works. There's a purpose for you. There's a calling for you. You are not an accident. That's what it tells us. We are no accident. We are not a blob that found its way to grow some legs and to grow some hands and became a man. We are not. We are no accident. We had a purpose. There's a calling in us. The God of the, crea of the God of Creator knows us even before we were born. Even knows us even before our parents were even thinking of us. We were predestined. We were sanctified. And, said, and that's why all of this role of the Holy Spirit is to really to get you from your present time in the now to really get you that, to that place where you can really walk in that calling that God has for you. And that's why the Holy Spirit is there to help you. He will be your comforter. He would be your advocate. He would be your champion. That every time you fall down, he would say, come on, champ. We can do this. Come on, chump. Come on, champ. We can do this, champ. You can do this. If you go astray, it says he's a guide. And sometimes we can go astray. We can always find ways not to follow the Holy Spirit. That is so easy for us to do. But yet, he just stays there. He's always with us, and he's always giving comfort to us. He's always interceding for us. He's always teaching us. He's always telling us. Amen? But the thing is, what one thing he cannot do, as I said earlier, is he cannot violate your choice and your will. He can never violate your choice and your will. You have to allow him or you need to allow yourself to surrender to him. And that's what this series is all about. It's to make room. It's to surrender. It's to really yield to the moving of the Holy Spirit. So in closing, church, you, when you don't surrender and when we don't yield to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is you're doing it out of your own. You're trying to do it on your own. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Go ahead and I will end with this verse. And this is what it says. This is Solomon, the wisest man and the richest man in the world says this. I return and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to man of understanding, nor, nor favor to man of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. What this passage is saying is this, that the world, this is how the world believes how we can get, you can win in life. You got to be the fastest one. You got to be the strongest one. You got to be the wisest one. Educate yourself. You got to be a skillful one so that you can win favor. That's what it's saying. But who knows your skill, your talent, your gifting more than anybody else? The God, our Father. Who can hold time and opportunity in their hand? our God the best place that you can be your greatest fulfillment in life your greatest satisfaction in life is when God brings you there it is not trying to do it on your own you can try but this is what uh, Solomon said but time and chance happen to them all not being the fastest does not guarantee you that you're gonna be the winner being the strongest being educated 
But when you got God who knows time and opportunity and He puts it right before you, He can put you at the right place at the right time, through the working of the Holy Spirit, you can find true fulfillment and satisfaction in life, church. But you got to surrender. That's the Come only on. thing. He can never violate your will. He can never violate your own surrender to Him. Amen? So let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing right now in this church. Thank you that you care enough for us, that you know even our beginnings and our eternity. So Lord, I just speak, Father, for those who's doing business with you right now. I speak, Father, a completeness in faith, Father, that they will not again, Father, go back to that same place. But they would allow, Father, a yielding and a surrendering to the Holy Spirit, Father. And Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing to us as a church. Thank you, O oh Lord. 